members who are away this weekend in uh, Rockbridge uh, for uh, Young Life. We pray for all those kids who are there, uh, that the light of the gospel would shine clearly, attractively, and powerfully uh, in the hearts and minds of all the folks who are there. Would you do that, we pray? And so bless us now with your spirit as we look at your word. Help us to hear and to know and uh, to walk uh, in the truth that you tell us today. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So Romans 13 verses 11 to 14 text is in the bulletin also up on uh, the screens behind me. Uh, This is God's word. We should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So uh, I've been doing this long enough so that uh, periodically the way the calendar works, you know, Christmas falls on Sunday like it does this year. It's happened a few times uh, before in the past. uh, And always in the past, I've always gotten the question that we're going to cancel church on Christmas Day, right? Because church would be an interruption to, to, to Christmas, right? So let me just be clear about something. There, is, there will never be a reason ever, ever, for us to cancel the 1030 service. Never. We will never cancel the 1030 service. So when you hear, you know, that it's going to snow or that something weird is going to happen, One thing you can count on that will never be canceled is the 1030 service. Um, I won't go into all the reasons for that, um, but they're great reasons, and uh, I'd be glad to tell you about them uh, if if you want to know about it. But one year, uh, I think it was the last time uh, Christmas uh, fell on a Sunday. One of the great things about that is, is that we gather twice on that Saturday, uh, before, and then we're back in here for the 1030 service at, uh, on Sunday morning. And um, I, I'm pretty sure it was the very last time we did this. I got here early. It was still quite dark. Uh, and when I walked in the door over here, uh, I could see in through the windows on the doors into the sanctuary that there was, that it didn't look exactly the way in here it was supposed to. Not because it was messy or anything like that. There was just the light didn't look right to me. And so I, I walked in those doors right back there and started looking around. Uh, during the uh, 4 o'clock service, uh, Joe was talking uh, to the kids about the star in the east. And there he had hung back here a star, a tiny little star, looked up to be about that big, that was still lit up, shining in the darkness. And it was just so moving to me at the time. And I, uh, I took a picture of it and sent it to my kids. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
uh, such, a, such a great picture. Uh, Scott, you can go ahead and put my notes up there. So, so here's, here's the conundrum for us this morning, uh, the issue for us, and it's this. Um, when you read this text, when I read this text, and what we read here says, um, you know, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and, and, and jealousy. So when we read that, I'm sure our tendency is to think, you know, boy, Paul got it right. Darkness is bad. That the sexually immoral, those who participate in orgies, those who give way to sensuality, man, it's bad. It's so bad, right? The problem with us having that posture is it is bad. And it is in the world. But this text is not written to the world. Paul's not writing to Caesar when he writes the letter to the Romans. He is writing to the Jewish and Gentile people who have given their lives to Jesus Christ. And he says to us, cast off the works of darkness. This is for us, not just for those outside, right? So just as that light was in here in the darkness, the darkness was in here as well. So one of the things that I think our temptation is for many of us uh, who are church people, many of us who are uh, believers in Jesus Christ, our tendency is to read this list, to look at it, and to very quickly identify those out there who are participating in the darkness, to condemn that darkness uh, without understanding, first and foremost, that the posture that Paul is getting at here is to do a rigorous inventory of our own souls, to look at ourselves and to recognize the fact that inside each and every one of us, there's darkness, right? So rather than focusing all of our attention in the fact that all the darkness is outside, all the darkness is out in the world, and it's out there, there's no doubt about it, but there's plenty of darkness in the church as well, you know, I'm sure you've had opportunity over the last months and weeks to, to say, oh my goodness, what is the world coming to? I know I've done that. Uh, Carl F.H. Henry, a, um, a theologian from the last century, said this, the early church didn't say, look at what, look what the world is coming to. They said, look what or who has come into the world. Because the fact of the matter is, each and every, without the coming of Jesus Christ into the world and without the reality of his second coming, uh, darkness is pervasive, darkness is powerful, and darkness uh, is um, not just all around us, but in us. 
Yeah, it's in us. The best of us has darkness, right? Next slide. So, um, so the, the exhortation here is not just about the unbelieving world, but is addressed to the church, the very people of God, right? So the fact of the matter is, uh, we uh, must, before God and before one another, confess the fact that darkness is too much with us. And that the desires of our flesh, as we read here, right? Orgies, drunkenness, sexual immorality, sensuality, quarreling, and jealousy are uh, too much among us. Now, you may be thinking, well, now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, um, I'm not like those people out there. But it is one of the things that's so stunning about this that when Paul gives this list of the works of darkness, you know, we read these things and I'm like, oh my goodness, orgies and drunkenness, sexual immorality, sensuality. But right up there with those, he lists quarreling and jealousy. Right? Um, so, as dark as you may think someone else's sin is, our posture of quarreling, our posture of envy and jealousy and coveting is just as dark and leads to the same place, and that is death, right? So, so, the, so the, the thing about it is we have to ask the question, if, if this is the case, if this is the way this works, if this is what's happening, what do we do with it? Because the darkness is strong. And I, I want to tell you, you know, the, the thing about darkness is, as I've gotten older, one of the things that I do is I get up earlier and earlier. You know, I, I tell the church staff often that a good day begins in the dark, right? Because I like to get up early. I like to get up before everybody else. I like, I, you know, I like, uh, I don't know if it's some kind of misplaced work ethic or whatever, but I like to get up, get out, and get with the program uh, when, it's, uh, when it's still dark outside. Well, one of the things that you'll note about uh, the darkness is there are things in my yard and in my neighborhood that are very familiar to me. I've lived there almost 30 years, and I know where every shrub is. I, I know where uh, every stick is. I know where... Uh, everybody's messed up their uh, landscaping. I know where uh, all the, the, the people are with the, uh, the leaf problems. I, you know, I know it all. I know it all. But one of the things that's interesting is in the darkness, when you get up and you start looking at that stuff, you're looking around and you're like, that looks threatening. Is that a bear? What is that thing over there in the dark? Is it moving? I thought I saw it move. Is it moving? So, you know, one, one of the things that, that, that happens to us in that is, is that, the, that the darkness is so pervasive and so strong sometimes that it messes with our ability to ascertain what's actually around us and what it is uh, uh, that we see and what it is that we actually experience. And so what you do is you wait and you look for the dawning of the sun in the east and as it begins to come up, you look around you and like, oh yeah, you know what? That, that was a stump. That wasn't a bear. That stump's been there 10 years. <laughs> you know, so, so, so the, the fact is, 
what, what Paul is addressing for us today is the, the reality that this darkness resides within each and every human being. It resides in the people of God. It resides in our hearts and our souls. And what he is saying to us is, is that we are engaged in a struggle. Now, the, the problem with that struggle, the, the New Testament calls it a war, that within us, the light and the darkness are in, in a struggle. Now, for many of us, uh, we, we experience that struggle and we've given up on it. We've hardened ourselves off, we've walled ourselves off, and what we've done is that dissonance that we experience, that thing that happens to us when we're envious or when we give way to the, uh, the desires of the flesh or when we're uh, quarrelsome, what, what happens to us is, uh, for all of us who have the Spirit of God in us, we have this experience of, ah, oh, that was not good. Oh, I don't like that. Uh, that, is, that is a negative thing. And, and so what we do with that is we try to figure out a way to manage that or to, to, uh, uh, to kind of handle that dissonance. Well, what Paul gets at here in this text is he gives us a way to begin to do that. And what he's saying to us is, is that the second advent of Jesus Christ is the event that looms on the horizon of faith. The sun is almost up. It's almost time for the full light to dawn upon us. The night is waning, and so it is time to throw off our sleeping clothes and put on the armor of light and to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what happens to many of us <coughs> is this, that the way we think about the darkness is when we become aware of the darkness, when the, darkness, when, when the struggle with the darkness becomes something that's very real for us, one of the things that happens to us, one of the things that we're probably pretty good at is saying, I need to get rid of that darkness. That, that part about me is not right. Uh, it causes me hurt. It causes people I love hurt. I need to get rid of that darkness. And so we work very hard by applying disciplines and that sort of thing to root out that darkness, to, to get a handle on it. And that is a great thing. That is... That is beginning the process of, of dealing with our darkness. But the problem with that is, often the way we think about that is, is that we think, I just got to get rid of this. But when you get rid of the darkness, you leave a void. And that's what Paul addresses here in this text for us is, is that we put off these uh, works of darkness, but that's just the beginning. What, we, what, what the provision that we have in Jesus Christ is not just the ability to put it off, but the ability to put Christ on, right? It's not enough to throw something off. We must also put on, as he says here, the armor of light, and, and, and he goes further to say, to actually fully clothe ourselves in Jesus Christ. Next slide. So how do you do that? <clears throat> well, to put on Christ and his armor of light is to believe that you are united to Christ in this life, in his life, death, and resurrection. Here's the thing, that the message that we have, the, 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 the power that we have, the light that we have, is not something that we generate ourselves, but the very fact that the light has come into the world, and that light was Jesus Christ, and the world and the darkness has not overcome that light, is the thing that should energize us. Because what, what we recognize about that is, and what's, what must be true about us, is this fact that we are united to Christ, 
that we are tied to him as if we were married to him, as if he were our spouse. Our destiny is bound up in him. Our identity is bound up in him. Our, our hands, our feet, our hearts, our souls, every part of us is bound up in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> the catechism says this, because I belong to him, because I'm not my own, I am not an autonomous individual. I am not only accountable to myself. I don't even belong only to myself. I belong first and foremost to Jesus Christ. And so because of that, Christ by his Holy Spirit assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. And so the, what, what Paul is trying to get us here is in light of Jesus' second coming, in light of the, the, the certainty of that, to recognize the fact that within each one of us, there's a struggle against the darkness. And as we struggle against that darkness, how do we struggle against it? By laying hold of, by faith, the reality of what Christ has done for us. And that by, by laying hold of, by faith, what Christ has done for us, I see myself appropriated in that, in union with him in that, and that I belong to him. I belong to him, not just to myself, which is the way we tend to think about that. So what this text tells us is, is that we are simultaneously sinner and saint. The best saint in here still has darkness. And the darkest saint in here still has light. Right? As I thought about this text this week and as I prayed about this, um, I, very concerning and, and, and a, a very hard thing to do because uh, the Bible tells us that Jesus will not put out a smoldering wick and a bruised reed he'll not break. I don't want to put out any smoldering wicks. I want you to be fanned in the flame. Bruised reeds, I don't want you to break. I want you to be strengthened in your union with Christ. But for us to be able to do that, we have to recognize and we have to see and we have to turn to Jesus as we face our darkness. Because the law of God is not revoked. But neither is the gospel. And the fact of the matter is, for many of us, we lack the assurance that is ours in Christ, and we lack the energy to pursue the light because we tend to fall off these cliffs of, oh, I'm never going to see any light in this darkness, so I quit, and I harden myself against that. Or, there isn't any darkness in me. I am, and if there is, I'm way better than that person. These two things are at interplay in every Christian, and a healthy Christian, all the time. I experienced that this week. Um, the place where I go to work out uh, has a lot of rules, has a lot of laws. And it's full of lawbreakers. I mean, 
It is the most lawless place in the West End. It is amazing. No cursing allowed. Oh, my goodness. You can't walk in the place without the guys who work there. Just a blue streak. Oh, my goodness. It's amazing. I, you know, I'm surprised the paint is able to stick to the walls in there. Don't drop the weights. Man, you think that place is going to fall apart. It's just these loud noises. When these guys are grunting and groaning, it's like a maternity hospital. I mean, it is, it is amazing. And then they drop the weights, and there's so much noise. But the worst one, and I experienced this this week, is in the men's dressing room, there are too many mirrors now, on the mirror, it says, no cell phone photography allowed. But inevitably, there are some really buff young men standing in front of the mirrors with their shirts off, taking their picture as they flex. They, they, it's as if that law there is there just for them to say, whatever, to the law. And I'm in there, I work out, I'm sweaty, I, don't, I never look in the mirror, praise God, and I'm trying to get in there and get out of there. This past week, I was in there, I was walking by these guys uh, to, on my way to the shower, and they're in there taking pictures. And a friend of mine, a guy that I've gotten to know there, is sitting, getting dressed, getting ready to work out, and he starts yelling at those guys. Can't you read? What is wrong with you? Taking those pictures, people are in here trying to get undressed. People are in here trying to get a shower. What is wrong with you? Obey the rules. What's wrong with you? Get with the program. And he's just yelling at them. And I'm just like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to get in here. I'm going to get my shower. I'm going to get out of here. So I got my shower. When I came out, the, the boys were gone. And he, my friend was still there. And I looked at him and I said, hey, thanks. Thanks for doing that. And he just went on a rant. They don't have any common sense. And I said to him, you know, when I was their age, I didn't either. You're right. They shouldn't be doing that. And when I was their age, I was doing that. Now some girl in the West End is going to get a picture of her buff boyfriend with a 63-year-old guy with a towel <laughs> around his waist, lurk, lurking in the background. There's a reason why there's a rule up there about not taking any pictures in, 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 uh, in the dressing room. We need a word of the law, and we need an ever-powerful word of grace and light. Both of those things are true for us. Next slide. So, when the darkness is strong in you, and I'm certain this week you'll have opportunity to experience envy, 
quarreling, desires of the flesh, coveting. Ask yourself these questions. Has Jesus abandoned me? Has he left me alone in this struggle? Ask yourself, will he forsake me because 30, 40, 50 years I still struggle with my darkness? Because you see, the, the fact of the matter is, what, the way we have to, 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 to view this is, that struggle is your life, and it is a great life. It is a good life. It is a God-ordained life. And properly understood, it is a cross-shaped life. Because there's this virtuous cycle that happens to the struggler, and it's this. The closer you get to the cross, the more you see you need it. Because you see your sin, you see your darkness in stark relief in front of you. And the more you see your darkness, the bigger that cross must become. Thanks be to God, the cross is bigger than you could ever imagine. And the promise and the presence of the grace of God to you in Jesus Christ is greater than your biggest, darkest part of your soul, right? Now the truth is, as, as Paul tells us here, that when Jesus comes, and as we've talked about today, that this, this is absolutely true. We shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. Paul makes that very clear in this very letter of Romans. It is the destiny of every single one of us. But Paul also says, as we face that judgment seat of God, that nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in, Je in Christ Jesus. Because here's what we have to hold on to, and here's what we must see about ourselves, and what we must see about the world, is that God hates the works of darkness. He hates it. If you don't have a God who hates the works of darkness, you have a misshapen idol for a God. But here's the great news about that is God hates the works of darkness so much that Jesus died for that. And we have his promise that on the last day, he will root out all the works of darkness. He will not let them endure. Next slide. And not only will he not let them endure, brothers and sisters, God will not allow the works of darkness to swallow up his children forever. That's his promise. That's his commitment. Malachi says this, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, <coughs> says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. You see, Jesus Christ, even now, is beating out on the anvil of his cross your armor of righteousness. And it is forged in his blood 
and it shines with the grace of his truth and his love for you. And that is our claim. That is our hope. And that is where we find the energy to do war against the remaining darkness that resides in every single one of us. I want to give you something practical to do this week. And that is, if you find yourself this week, as I'm sure you will, as I'm sure I will, struggling with my darkness, struggling with your darkness, what can you do? Well, I came across this uh, colic uh, based on Romans 13 from the book of Common Worship. And if, if you... If you you can access this from the website, or if you email me, I'll, I'll make sure you get it. Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now, in the time of this mortal life, in which your son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility, that in the last day, when he shall come again in his glorious majesty, to judge both the living and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal. Through him who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The darkness is mighty.